Last week in this series um, called The Weight of Wind, I um, introduced the, the who and what about the Holy Spirit. Um, some people call him the Holy Spirit. Some translations of the Bible and some people call him the Holy Ghost. Uh, come on, we need some Holy Ghost in your life, right? And, and um, um, th the reason being between spirit and ghost is what we talked about. The, the, the translation was hard to translate for people putting it in our, Eng in our English language, whether it's ruach or, or pneuma. Uh, the word meant wind. It meant breath. It meant a blowing air. And so my, my wife talked about that a little bit, and we'll talk more about that today. But today, my purpose is to tell you why we all need the Holy Spirit in our lives. And, and again, we all come from different backgrounds. Um, uh, how many of y'all, just by a quick show of hands, how many of you, you were, you were raised Catholic? I was raised Catholic. I'm just, just kind of curious where starting point. I, I, I get to talk to a number of you from time to time. They're like, come on, I, I, I was raised that way. How many of you were raised Methodist? I know uh, John Wesley, come on, he pioneered this whole eastern shore. I think it's phenomenal. So maybe uh, if, if it was a Methodist and Wesleyan or something like that, um, very similar. Cool. Love that. Um, how many uh, Presbyterian? Um, okay. How many Baptist? Okay, cool, cool. Cool. How many Pentecostal? How many don't know what that means? Okay, no. You <laughs> Some of y'all might be raising your hands to numerous ones. I might be that. I might be. How many were just old-fashioned sinners, right? Like, I didn't do nothing. I don't know. I'm just here today. Okay. Hey, so we all come from different starting points. We all come from different backgrounds. We all have different understandings of uh, of some things and some things maybe we were taught right and some things we might not have been taught right and so my hope is through scripture to talk about the third part of God the Holy Spirit who is here with us in fact since we're all from different backgrounds it reminds me of a little joke I heard um, called how many Christians does it ta uh, take to change a light bulb okay so how many charismatics does it change uh, does it take to change a light bulb well, only one because they already got both hands in the air. <laughs> okay. All right. So you see where this is going. Like, okay. It doesn't get too much better. Okay. How many Pentecostals does it take to change a light bulb? Ten. One to change the bulb and nine to pray against the spirit of darkness. <laughs> okay. How many, how many Baptists does it take to change a light bulb? At least fifteen. One to change the light bulb and three committees to approve the change. Okay, all right. All right. How many Calvinists does it take to change a light bulb? None, because the lights will go on and off at predestined times. Okay. How, how many Catholics does it take to change a light bulb? It doesn't take any because they do candles only. All right. All right. Okay. Anyway. How many Methodists does it take to change a light bulb? They chose not to make a statement either for or against the use of light bulbs. <laughs> okay. How many Church of Christ does it take to change a light bulb? None, because light bulbs are never mentioned in the New Testament, and therefore they are unscriptural. <laughs> and finally, how many Amish does it take to change a light bulb? What's a light bulb? <laughs> okay, anyway. All right, so... So, so we all come from different backgrounds. It reminds me 
of why I quit going to church when I was about 17 years old. I was raised in Christianity. I was raised in Catholicism. I, I learned God's important, but for me, it felt like church was incredibly boring. I wasn't really enjoying it. I wasn't learning very much about it. Uh, God, and I remember telling God, I believe you're real, but I quit going to church. And I don't know which church to go to, Pentecostal, Presbyterian, Catholic, Episcopal, Lutheran. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know, Baptist, I don't know which one to go to because I don't know which one's right. So how about this? I believe you're real, but I quit. And so would you reveal yourself to me when the time's right? And a lot of these different things, you'll find these different um, backgrounds, uh, some of them center in differences around the Holy Spirit. And so today, my goal is to break down a word that spooks some people out. It's the word Pentecostal or Pentecostal, uh, uh, Pentecostalism or Pentecost. Um, I remember when I first came to, to uh, a church like this, someone said something, um, oh, were, they, were, were they Pentecostal? And, and I was like, what's that? And they said, um, did she have a hair in a bun? Did she have a long skirt, no makeup? And I was like, yeah. And they're like, okay, they're Pentecostal, <laughs> right? And so some people think that way. It's based on some sort of um, outer um, appearance or something like that. But actually, the, the word is not as scary as some have made it to believe. Some say, scary? <laughs> I, I, I affirm that kind of faith. And, you know, God walked me through a church where I gave my life to Jesus Christ, and I, I experienced the Holy Spirit through a church that was embracing um, uh, Pentecostal type things. And so I embrace it too, but I understand that one of the things that was frequently asked when I found out which church I went to is they're like, well, they swing from chandeliers over there. It's like, there's not a chandelier in the place. It's like, I went back and asked the history, has there ever been a chandelier in this auditorium or anywhere? And they're like, there has never been one. Um, but, but you know, sometimes uh, certain things like that can be used when we don't really understand one another. Here's how scary the word Pentecost is. The word means 50. Ooh, scary, right? Stay away from people like that. 50. Okay, what, what does 50 mean? I'm going to break that down a little bit, and I'm going to use a little bit of history, because again, some of us are starting from scratch, some of us might have learned something um, that wasn't quite scriptural, and some of us have been right on tune with scripture, and maybe I can add a little something extra today. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, talks about the event of Pentecost, and what does Pentecost mean again? It means 50. Uh, and I'll break down why that it means that. But let's look at Acts chapter 2, 1 through 4. And this is the first time that the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon someone other than just one random prophet or, or one marked person in the Old Testament, other than Jesus Christ carrying the very presence of the Holy Spirit everywhere he went, this is the first time the Holy Spirit's been unleashed and, and, and an outpouring of the Holy Spirit happens in Acts chapter 2. And it says, on the day of Pentecost, on the day of 50, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. Say like, tell your neighbor, like last night, tell your other neighbor, yeah, yeah but this wind changes everything. There was a sound of a windstorm. And it, there's that word pneuma, Right? And it filled the house where they were sitting. 
Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. So uh, this second message of weight of wind, I've creatively entitled Festivals Fulfilled and Pentecost's Will. Okay, that's a mouthful. I'll say it again. Festivals Fulfilled and Pentecost's Will. Why do I call it that? Well, because if you were Jewish and the Old Testament speaks of God's people, the Israelites, who who became better known as Jews. When Jesus was born, he chose to be born into Judaism. He was a Jew. When they crucified him, they put a slate over his head on the cross saying, King of the Jews. Okay, And so a lot of Christianity finds its roots in Judaism. It's in the Jewish culture. And so if you lived in the Old Testament time, if you were God's people, the Israelites, you were more than likely you were a Jew. And as a Jew, you would have made sure that you celebrated at least three festivals. It's kind of like an American Christian, right? You, you know, you can ask people, are you a Christian? And if, and, and if I only go on Easter and Christmas, that, that I'm still in, right? You, you know, like that kind of mindset. Even if you were the worst of Jews, you would make sure that you obeyed at least three festivals. These three festivals, there were seven festivals throughout a year, but these three required men to make pilgrimages with or without their family back to the Holy Land of Jerusalem to honor God. So you would not have missed Christmas and Easter, right? You would not have missed these three festivals, and Pentecost was one of them. Okay, we're going to break them down a little bit. And so I'm going to talk about these festivals, these three Jewish festivals. It could get a little bit nerdy, but if you like history, I'll make it as painless as possible. You write some things down, but if you like history, geek out with me a little bit, okay? But then I'll give it uh, application. Why does this matter? It won't just be like information for information's sake, okay? I even thought about doing a series once called Getting a Little Jewish, yeah, I, I thought about that a little. It would have been awesome. I feel like we could have um, made sure our coffee bar had kosher salted caramel lattes at them. Come on, that'd be pretty good. We could cater in Rosenfeld's corned beef and rye for you to have on your way out. Come on, anybody hit up Rosenfeld's on Ocean State? Oh, they got some good stuff, right? That'd be a little fun until I realized nobody else was feeling it. But anyway, we can learn something here. And so three festivals throughout the year. Number one, here's the first festival. You ready? Say, I'm ready. All three of these, by the way, Jesus is going to fulfill. In fact, Jesus would frequently tell people, I'm not here, put up that next scripture. He would say, I'm not here to demolish everything you've already learned. I'm not here to abolish it. I'm not here to get rid of it. He would say, don't suppose for a minute that I've come to demolish the scriptures. Either God's law or the prophets. Now, when he said God's law, he was referring to the Torah, which is the first five books of the Old Testament. So he's saying, I didn't come here to demolish those things or to eradicate those things. And by the way, where do we learn about Jewish festivals? In the law, the first five books of the Bible. 
Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, you'll find these teachings to obey these multiple festivals. And Jesus said, I didn't come to get rid of them. He said, I'm not here to demolish. Um, uh, I'm that, that word's cut off on my screen. <laughs> he, says, he says, I'm not here to demolish, but to complete them. I'm going to put it all together. And so I just want to show you the brilliance of what Jesus did today and put it all together in a vast panorama, okay? So number one, here was the first festival of the utmost importance, okay? Um, it was Passover. Passover was a festival that they never missed from the time that they experienced it on. Passover was when God's people, the Israelites, had migrated to Egypt. They helped make Egypt an, an empire. They helped save it through a, um, um, a, a, a desolate time, a time of starvation. Um, it, was, it was God's insight through a man um, uh, to, to store up food for uh, the famine that was coming. And so they helped establish that. But then the Pharaoh got... Um, scared and he he in, enslaved uh, for 400 years God's people so they're enslaved for 400 years and they're desperate and they want to get out they probably helped build what we know to be the pyramids which we call a wonder of the world this is God's people enslaved and so when God's ready to bust them out they cry out to God we want our freedom help us deliver us and when God sends a delivery sends Moses and Moses comes with specific instructions after the plagues. He says, tomorrow will be a day of freedom. And he says, what you must do today is you must take a lamb, a lamb that is blameless. You must sacrifice it at 9 a.m. And then its blood, you will use, you collect it, and you're going to put that blood and smear it over the doorpost of your house to, as, as a covering of your sin and when the dark angel who comes to to kill every firstborn child whenever it sees the mark of blood it will pass over your house and your house will be saved and tomorrow you will find your freedom and so they did it now here's what's crazy is that Jesus crucified would fulfill this Passover celebration. Let me kick out for a moment on each three. I'm just going to show you this real quickly because it gets me, absolutely gives me chill bumps. Watch this. Put this, uh, I don't know if they put this on the screen or not, but the lamb was sacrificed at 9 a.m. It was instructed to be put in the oven to cook at 3 p.m. And on that day, it describes in Exodus um, that the blood would cover sin. Now, here's what Jesus Christ did, okay? Jesus was sacrificed at 9 a.m. The nails went through his hands on the cross at 9 a.m., okay? Put in the tomb at 3 p.m. Come on now, you following me with me a little? And then his blood doesn't cover sin, his blood removes sin. I feel like we need a praise break right there. Come on, this is Jesus, the Lamb of God. Let me show it to you in Scripture. 1 Corinthians 5 verse 7 says this, For Christ, our Passover, what's that word? Lamb has been sacrificed. So the first major festival is Passover, and it symbolizes what we would now call Easter, but it's all a free gift from God. 
this festival stands alone because the other two festivals will talk about some work to be done on your part. But what work is to be done on this one? Nothing. It's a free gift. Jesus sacrificed himself freely. We must all first understand that salvation, being heaven bound, being forgiven of sin, is absolutely 100% outside of your power to do for yourself. You can't go to church enough. You can't pray enough prayers. You can't read enough scripture. You can't do enough acts of kind service. You cannot fix yourself. It is a free gift from God. And you have to accept it freely. For some of us, we want to work off our sins. You can't do that. The sacrifice lamb has done it. It is a free gift. Look at Ephesians 2 verse 8. You were saved by faith in God. Who treats us much better than we deserve. This is God's gift to you. And not anything you have done on your own. It isn't something you have earned. So there's nothing that you can brag about. So this first gift is completely freely given to us, but it doesn't stop there. The Jews would have made sure that they also had uh, the second festival, and that is Pentecost, okay? So um, Pentecost and Passover would have been in the uh, springtime, and the last one's going to be in the fall. Check this out. Pentecost is originally called the Festival of Weeks. Why is it called the Festival of Weeks? Because the, the law says that you need to count seven weeks the day, over, the day after uh, um, Passover. Count seven weeks. That's 49 plus the day after is 50. And so that's what Pentecost means. It means 50 days after Passover, you are to celebrate Pentecost or the festival of weeks and and what we're celebrating is we're remembering that 50 days after Passover is when the law was given to God's people uh, Moses went out on Mount Sinai heaven came down in fire and then Moses came down with the Ten Commandments and the tablets teaching us how to live holy righteous lives if you want to be holy if you want to be right with God keep these very things. Now, Acts chapter 2, what I read at the beginning of this message, is the fulfillment. I'll show you in just a little bit. Okay? But here, if you want to geek out real quickly, three points that parallel. Number one, the cloud descended at Mount Sinai with a loud noise and with fire. Guess what happened in Acts chapter 2? The Holy Spirit descended with a loud noise and with fire, flames of tongue on everyone's head. It said they made a sound of noise. And in Mount Sinai, God wrote the law on stone tablets. In Acts chapter 2, God said he would begin to write the law on your heart. Come on. And listen, at Mount Sinai, 3,000 people died that day because they set up false idols. But what happened in Acts chapter 2, it says 3,000 people were saved that day. Coincidence? Or is Jesus fulfilling Old Testament prophecies, Old Testament festivals? It's festivals fulfilled. And so what is Pentecost's will? I'm going to get to that. But let me point it out to you in Acts chapter 1. Listen to this. Jesus appeared for 40 days with his disciples after he was crucified and raised from the grave. And it says this. Jesus told them, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised. How long should they wait? What's Pentecost mean? Okay, thank you. 
which you've heard me speak about, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Some translations say um, that you're going to wait. It, it, it talks about wait for 40, and then there's an extra period of time, and then you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Translation, you've got a job to do. You're going to be a witness here and in Maryland and then in the United States and all throughout the earth. You've got a job to do. And so before you get doing that job, wait for my Holy Spirit. Tell your neighbor, Holy Spirit, activate. <laughs> Come on now. You're going to need power to do what God's called you to do. And so you're going to need to wait for the Holy Spirit to activate. Write this down. Jesus fulfilled Pentecost when he gave us his spirit to make a difference. He fulfilled Pentecost when he gave us his spirit. Why did he give us his spirit? For power to make a difference. All right, tracking with me? Third festival, I'll go through real quick, okay? It was the festival of tabernacles. Um, another term for it was the festival of trumpets. Um, if you look at a modern calendar, you might see it this way, Rosh Hashanah. Okay, and what does that point to? That points to the Festival of Tabernacles, which is in the fall. And it celebrates the wandering in the desert that they did. Um, they would wander in booths. They would literally set up tents, and they would wander around. And they wanted to remember for, for years, for 40 years, we didn't have a home, y'all. We didn't have a home. God's presence was our home. How does Jesus fulfill this? Well, I'm going to geek out real quick with you with three quick parallels, right? They were living in temporary huts. Guess what we're doing right now on earth? Guys, we are living in temporary earthly huts. This body will not last forever. You can try to work it out and take care of it. You can put lotion on it. You can make skin so soft. Come on. But had to, had to, this is a temporary body at best, for we have a permanent home, and it's not this world. And I know a number of you would say a big amen. Amen. They were, they were living in temporary huts. They were brought to their final home in the promised land. Come on, who's getting excited about this? We'll be brought one day to our final home, the promised land in heaven. And thirdly, come on, they celebrated during the harvest season, and there will be a final harvest. When Jesus comes back, there will be a final harvest of all of God's people. Let me show it to you in scripture. I couldn't believe Jesus was coming back. No one taught me about that in the church that I was going to. First Thessalonians says this in verse 4. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of an archangel, and with a trumpet call of God. One of the terms of this festival is the festival of trumpets. Okay? And so, and the dead in Christ will rise first. He, here he's talking about their body. Their spirit has already been risen and with God. But their bodies will go first to heaven and get their bodies back. And after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Who wants to be with the Lord forever? Come on and give him a praise break real quick. <laughs> Write this down. Jesus will fulfill tabernacles. At his second coming. Okay, so you got three Jewish festivals. 
all festivals are fulfilled by Jesus. And so then what is the middle one's will? Well, first I want to draw for a second, and they're going to put my screen up here. Because the thing that I find fascinating, the thing that I find <coughs> encouraging is, is actually the chronology chronological timing of them all okay are we are we still connected you got my screen up there can you put that up there for me I just need to know if it's there or not because if not I'm gonna move on cool it's in the middle no big deal okay I just want to show you that in the Jewish calendar this is kind of interesting that Passover is in the spring somewhere around Easter time okay not quite the beginning um, 50 days later right is Pentecost and then in the fall is the festival of um, tabernacles, okay? Here's what I find interesting. Passover is Jesus Christ dying for our salvation. I told you it's a free gift. I feel like Pentecost needs to happen in each one of our lives soon after I mean it's not a requirement to go to heaven let me make that very clear some people have been confused about the Holy Spirit saying is the Holy Spirit a requirement to go to heaven the Bible teaches that Jesus Christ's crucifixion and our declaration of him as Lord there is a measure of the Holy Spirit who comes into our life and so salvation is already determined okay so you don't have to display a certain gift or anything like that, you need to accept Jesus as Lord and desire to walk in his ways the best you can. That's Passover. I believe that you want a Holy Spirit moment um, soon after, and we'll talk about, well, what does that look like? I don't really understand that. Because tabernacles represents the ending up in heaven. It's almost as if God was saying, you are going to need this if you want this. I'm trying to set you up for the journey. I'm trying to say when you receive salvation 50 days later, that's not a formula. That's not an equation. It's just saying seek the Holy Spirit because the journey ahead is not going to always be pretty. You might have to go through desert times. You might have to go through opposition. You might have to go through setbacks. You might have to go through deaths in the families. You might have to go through sickness. You might have to go through debt. You might have to go through job loss. You might have to go through difficult times. And I want you to have a, a, an experience that will help carry you the distance so that your desired goal, my desired goal of you being with me in heaven will be accomplished together. Amen? Does that make sense? Okay, so let me break this down. Pentecost is not about makeup or how long the skirts to wear. Pentecost and Pentecostalism should all be about empowering us. That's what Acts chapter 2 is talking about. I want to empower you because you got a job to do. I, I, I want to use you as witnesses from here and beyond. And because of that, it, you're going to need more than yourself. Let me give you just four pathways of empowerment real quickly. I can't spend a lot of time on this, but I hope you'll write this down. Four pathways of empowerment. Number one, empowered over fear. You are going to be scared at times. You need to be empowered over fear. I wrote this down in my notes. Do you know anxiety has a fear? It is the name of Jesus Christ. 
Okay, because there is a name that's above every other name. And so even when anxiety comes to me, my Lord and Savior already said, I can cast all my burdens on him. It doesn't mean I don't struggle with it. It just means I have a helpmate. I have a counselor. I have a comforter. I have one who equips me with strength when fear comes upon me. Anxiety is not the highest name out there. Jesus is the highest name out there. He overcame all anxiety. He overcame all discouragement. He overcame all depression when he was in the garden of olives about to give his life and said please take this cross for me he overcame and how did he do it by the spirit of God that was living inside of him and he told his disciples all the things I've done you'll do even more because the very spirit that lives in me I'm going to pour out on you you're going to have some Pentecost you're going to have some equipping you're going to have some empowering empowering over fear let me prove it to you Second Timothy verse 1 uh, chapter 1 verse 7 says for God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power love and a sound mind this past week my wife was supposed to have a minor surgery she doesn't like anything surrounding medicine or, or surgeries like that I don't blame her and so uh, a lot of times she might get nervous from time to time about that and so I prayed with her and this is what I thought there are, there are certain doors I'm not allowed to go past when surgery time comes but there is no door the Holy Spirit can't pass so while I might not be present I pray the Holy Spirit be with her comfort her counselor her I don't know what you're going through but there is no there is no door the Holy Spirit doesn't pass there is no argument the Holy Spirit can't equip you through there is no uh, uh, disgruntlement there is no opposition that comes at you that the Holy Spirit goes man how are we gonna handle this one didn't see this one coming he's God he's God and he's here with us number two empowered to live righteously I know a lot of us want to live right and I remembered before Jesus I tried to live right but then I started thinking well since I messed up I got to do nice things to make up for my bad things right like balancing acts because I, I seem to not be able to quit doing bad but I remembered when I opened up my life for the Holy Spirit to come in my life he's the one who equipped me to burn every bit of porn that I had in my house and I wish we could go back to that time because some of you need to burn every little bit of porn you got. Now, nowadays, that means you have to burn your whole smartphone, burn up your computer. But the power of the Holy Spirit can help you burn up some websites you don't need to be at anymore. He helped me quit uh, hanging in groups and going to the job I was a part of that was not helping me. I was in a band, and I knew the band was not helping me live right. And so it took all nerve to actually say, guys, i got to step back from this. It doesn't make sense for you. But if I'm going to live the, way, the life God's called me to, i got to take a step back. So I don't expect this to make sense. Guess who was with me in that moment when they started calling me names, choice names I can't repeat? Sellout, loser, I can't believe you, right? You hypocrite, what happened? No, no, no. It was the Holy Spirit who empowered me to live righteously. Look, uh, to make necessary changes, Romans 8 verse 9 says this. You are controlled not by your sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. He's the one who's going to help you live righteously. Ben, you can come join me. Number three, empowered to live extraordinarily. 
He will empower you to live extraordinarily. I'll talk more about this next week, but I do want to read something that I wrote real quick. I wrote, I don't want ordinary. Ordinary is selfish, broken, backstabbing, backbiting, angry, jaded, broke, insecure, jealous, living for the pleasure of myself, hurting people, hurting people. It's shallow. And if that's what you want, you can have it. But I want extraordinary. Come on. Set apart, generous, noteworthy, kingdom-centric, kingdom-building, gates of hell storming, ever-reaching, family-building, kids-strengthening, marriage-flourishing, making a difference, self-sacrificial, contagious-witnessing kind of life. And that is way too grand to do on my own. If you want this too, then we need the help of the Holy Spirit. And He will empower us to live extraordinarily you want ordinary go for it I don't think that's what we really want I don't think anybody wakes up saying that's what I want so you're going to need the power of the Holy Spirit that Pentecost moment where you say Holy Spirit come fill me too rest on me too let me point it out to you Acts chapter 10 says God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and with power then what happened nothing much after no 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 then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. He lived extraordinarily because he had the Holy Spirit in him. And finally, number four, empowered to be bold. Empowered to be bold. You weren't saved just to survive. You weren't saved just to go from uh, Passover, Pentecost to, oh, I hope I get to festival tabernacles i hope i get to heaven no it's not just that we survive you were made to thrive god says he came to give you abundant life and so he wants to embolden you to step out do you know god knows you are capable of more than you think you're capable of we always sell ourselves short and we always talk god out of you pick the wrong person i can't do that he could do it she could do it i can't do it i'm not good enough i'm not smart enough i'm not talented enough i don't look the part i don't know i don't know and it's the holy spirit who comes to give you boldness to say if i spoke to you you can do it i am with you i am strengthening you i am empowering you in fact one thing I would encourage you throughout this series is get to know when you feel like the Holy Spirit is showing up in a greater measure in your life. Say, Pastor Drew, isn't the Holy Spirit omnipresent? He is. But you and I both know when it feels like a fresh wind just blew in. Come on. At the end of the third song today, I just felt like something fresh was just moving and flowing. And I've gotten used to that feeling. I don't know. It's hard to describe it. It's a lot of times different from other people. But I need it because sometimes God will say, speak to this person in Walmart. And I'll go, I don't feel like it. I want to go home. I'm tired. They're not going to want to hear it. And when I feel that presence come on me, I'm like, Holy Spirit, activate. Here we go. Because God's with me. And he's emboldened me to step out. Come on. I think some of our pastors, Pastor JT and Aaron, are like seeing the entire um, great clips get saved because they're just being emboldened while they're getting their hair cut. Come on, praise Jesus. Let me finish with this. I heard one guy come up to me. He said, you know, spirit-filled people <clears throat> sometimes scare me. And he said, can I ask you a sensitive question that's difficult to ask? It's like, yeah. And he goes, so they kind of scare me because a lot of times they, they make me feel like I'm lesser than them. 
you believe, spirit-filled, um, I know you're spirit-filled, like, I'm spirit-filled, um, do you believe that I'm saved? And I was like, heck yeah, yeah, and he's like, well, just because I haven't ex expressed certain gifts, does that make me lesser than, and I'm going to steal a line that I heard from Chris Hodges, Pastor Chris Hodges, because I thought it was brilliant, but it described what I tried to describe to that man that day, and you could write this down. The Holy Spirit doesn't make me better than you. The Holy Spirit makes me better than me. I'm going to say that again. The Holy Spirit does not make me better than you. The Holy Spirit makes me better than me. There is no place in Pentecostalism or in any of the Bible where having a spiritual gift makes anybody walk around going, I'm an elitist. I'm better than. No, 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 no. There is zero place for that. The place is for him to say, God is making me better so I can build the kingdom of God better than I could be on my own. Guys, some of you are like, have told me your messages have gotten better and better. I, I praise, thank you, thank you. I humbly say thank you. But I'm not relying on my gift. I'm relying on the gift the Holy Spirit is empowering in me. Because you don't know how many times... I can be standing over here just thinking, I don't have it today. I'm not all that. Someone else could do it better. I don't want to go up there. Maybe I'll send somebody else up there. Same stuff you deal with when you know that God's called you to step out to new ground. And I say, Holy Spirit, you're the one who called me to it. You're the one who, care, who will walk me through it. And you're the one whose words give life. Holy Spirit, show up in me. Let me close with this. Let's pray right now. If you would just open up your hands I feel like this is a powerful moment Holy Spirit I just sense you moving right now Passover was for salvation to be right with you there's nothing we have to do except have faith so Father I pray right now if there's anybody in this place who is not right with you may we first celebrate Passover the Lamb of God has been slain, and His blood will remove all of your sin. So if anyone's in this place right now, and you say, Pastor Drew, I need to get right with God. I've got some things I've done that I've not gotten right with God. I need to ask for forgiveness, and I need to change the way I'm living. With every head bowed, every eye closed, just quickly slip your hand up in the air. I'm not going to call you down. I won't embarrass you, but just real quickly, just... Slip your hand and say, include me. If you're at home, say, hey, that's me. Thank you for, I see a hand. Come on, I see another hand. If you're at home, just write in the chat, that's me too. You don't have to join this church. You don't have to make another experience for God to forgive you. It is by faith and faith alone. And so in just a moment, we're going to pray a prayer. Everyone's going to pray. And if you, if you just pray that and mean every word you say, God says that you will be right with him. He'll write your name in the book of life. That's all. We encourage you to come back, but it doesn't matter what church you go to. As long as you're following the Bible and Jesus Christ, it's all good. And then Passover was for salvation. Pentecost was for empowerment. If you're in this place and you just say, I, I could use a little bit more power.
I don't know where you are in the journey. I don't really care. This is not about who's in, who's out, or anything like that. If you just say, I could use strength for the journey. I could use his empowerment when tough times come, even when exciting times come, when God tells me to witness, when God puts me to work. I could use power. If that's you, then just simply say, God, I want more. Holy Spirit, I give you full access. Holy Spirit, I'm an open book. Come live in me. Reside in me. Strengthen me. And show yourself through me. I remind them all the time, you're working with the limited vessel here. <laughs> There's going to be limitations, but Holy Spirit, if you'll move, you can break all those limits. In Jesus' name, Holy Spirit, I give you full access. So that finally we'll end up in tabernacles, tabernacled in heaven forever and ever with you in Jesus' name. Come on, if you raise your hand to that first one, would you pray all of the church join out loud with them as we simply say this, Jesus, I give you my life. I believe you died on the cross. You are the son of God and you died on the cross to forgive me of my sins. I receive your blood that removes my sin. I want it to wash over me. I am yours. Become the Lord and Savior of my life. Help me to live for you. Holy Spirit, I want all that you have. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said...